Hey, tennis fans, you are listening to another episode of Match Point Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We're also members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mike McIntyre as we are winding down our 2022 calendar. Uh, but fortunately, Mike, still uh, some interviews to bring you, uh, our fans, uh, including uh, your conversation that you had um, this fall with Virginie Tremblay, uh, coach for Tennis Canada. Yeah, Virginie Tremblay, who uh, strength and conditioning for Tennis Canada, and she's been with them now for six years. So longer than I thought, actually, which uh, when we get to the interview, she did uh, reveal how long she's been there now. And just such an essential um, you know, component to the team, such a, a great piece of the puzzle. And I think often we focus so much, not just here on the podcast, but tennis fans in Canada in general, on the players, the athletes, and certainly they're the ones we see on TV or see live on the court. But there's so many men and women who are behind the scenes pulling their weight. And uh, Virginie Tremblay is one of those people who has just done such great work in 2022, in particular working with our young athletes, helping to set the tone for them physically, mentally, getting them ready to become the next wave of, of professional tennis players for Canada. Yeah, and uh, I, I think for a lot of Canadian tennis fans, they'll have some endearing memories, of course, of uh, those numerous runs by Bianca Andreescu and seeing Virginie Tremblay, of course, in her camp, always supporting initially when she sort of broke through at the beginning of that year. Uh, but her presence was felt throughout that season. And of course, she plays still a pivotal role with so many of our young athletes. So without further ado, here's Mike's conversation with a strength and conditioning trainer for Tennis Canada, Virginie Tremblay. Happy to welcome back to the podcast at Matchpoint Canada, one of the important pieces behind the scenes at Tennis Canada. She's been on with us before. She's the national strength and conditioning coach with Tennis Canada, trainer extraordinaire, uh, Virginie Tremblay. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Well, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here for a second time. In French, we would say ça fait longtemps. It's been a while, I think, since we've, we've had you on. Exactly. Last um, time was during COVID. I think we were stuck at home. Right. We were doing the Zoom call, and here we are now face-to-face, -face, which is kind of nice to see you. And I always enjoy speaking with fellow Montrealers, so it's also great to have someone from my own home city here. And uh, I got to ask you, are you a fan, a hockey fan, a Montreal Canadiens fan, being from Montreal? <laughs> That's a nice question. Of course, yes, I'm a Canadian fan. Uh, I love hockey. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely part of our uh, Montreal culture, Quebec culture. So, of course, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I don't get many people like us on the podcast because being in Toronto, it's usually like a lot of Toronto guests or other parts of Canada, the United States. So this feels like I'm talking to one of my own here. Uh, you know, it's good. It's good. Um, back with us for the first time then this year, 2022, and it kind of looks like you've been hanging out with the kids this year, so to speak, right? Hanging out with our junior up and coming rising Canadian players. Maybe you can just bring us up to speed this calendar year, where your focus has been and, and what you've been doing for Tennis Canada. Yeah, so 2022, I was, uh, back with uh, our juniors, uh, from the center in Montreal. So I've been very busy. I've been actually uh, traveling a lot. Uh, and uh, this, uh, this year I was mainly with um, our girls from Montreal. And uh, so, yeah, so I've been to Australia. I've been to Turkey, to uh, Italy and France and the UK. So I've, I've traveled a lot, I would say. And uh, this summer also was uh, was very busy. We were very lucky to have some pro tournaments in Canada. 
So it was awesome for our girls to uh, to not have to travel too far to play some some good level tournaments, and uh, and yeah, and it's 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 still uh, still going on with uh, a lot of tournaments and a lot of uh, travel. So yeah, so for sure, 2022 has been a a very good year, but with uh, many weeks on the road. The tennis season never ends, right? It seems to go on forever. Like we're almost in November now, and it continues. Um, do you enjoy the travel? Or are you someone who enjoys going city to city? Is that like a natural thing for you to do? Yeah, I mean, at first I didn't think I would like it because it's uh, it may seem fancy and nice from the outside because you're traveling and you're going from one place to another. You're in hotels, and but uh, it can be a very lonely life, and uh, you're away from your family and from your friends. And but uh, I would say that I'm uh, I'm uh, pleasantly surprised that I'm enjoying the traveling, and um, and it's nice to be able to work continue working with the girls and with the players when we are in tournaments and seeing them perform and think it's the best of both worlds. We've seen you work with some of our professional players before. Obviously, what comes to mind for me is working with Bianca back in 2019, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. Now you're working with, like you said, the, the teenage players coming up, um, the ones based in Montreal. What's the biggest difference when you're working with um, adolescents, teenage athletes versus established uh, professional players on the WTA? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, working with teenagers, I mean, they are still developing. So it's very important that, you know, you don't miss any steps and also that you you go according to their stage of development, how old they are, the maturation. So um, I think that at a young age, they have to touch every li- everything and they have to, um, you know, be able to do a little bit of everything. Um, I, I always say that I feel that there's a little bit more freedom when you work with juniors because, I mean, like I said, they, uh, they have to experiment. They have to get to know their body. So you can really put them in all kind of different situations and they have to adapt to adjust. And this is how they get to know themselves. And this is also how me, I get to uh, know them and understand them and where I can push and when, where and when I have to, to stop. Um, so, so yeah, so I would say that the most important thing is just making sure that you know where they are in their stage of development. And um, with pros, with pros is like what's what's very, very nice is that they already know, you know, their their body and they already know what they need and what they don't need. So it's it's sometimes a little bit easier because you just need to have a little bit of conversation, have just need a few little information. And, you know, I would say most of the time it's the athletes that come up to me and they say, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. So you follow their lead rather than with the teenagers. You need to sort of put the plan together and have them follow your instructions. Exactly. Exactly. So it's I mean, I mean, both are great, but that's the big difference. The pros, they know what they need. They know what they want. And um, so, yeah, sometimes it can be a little bit easier. But I would say and I was talking about the freedom a little bit more with juniors, but with pros, it's uh, you, not that you have to be more careful, but you really it's, you have to be more precise. You have to really make sure it's super individualized, very specific to their needs. And um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously uh, not not always the same, the same goals. But yeah, I would say that these are the, the main the big main differences. 
How about when you're traveling with, with the, I want to say the kids, they're not kids, but you no. know what I mean, right? Of yeah. course. Juniors. But you said like traveling for yourself, you've never traveled so much. You know, it's a learning experience even for you too at your stage of life. What about for the teenagers who are traveling for the first time, many of them maybe to this far away from Canada mm-hmm. and for this length of time? I mean, do you ever feel like you're sort of like the mom on the road, you know what I mean? Like taking care of the kids, you got to keep an eye on them as well and just their their development as, as young people too, I guess. That's uh, absolutely true. Um, maybe me with the, the, the girls and the boys that I'm working with, they are a little bit older. So they, and they have already started traveling at a very young age. So even like at nine and 10 years old, they already start to go to United States right, or right. a little bit to Europe. So when they, they are 15, 16, and they, they, they come to the center, they already have like an experience of being on the road so for me it's not like it's not their their first time but yeah when i'm when we are on the road i mean we have to sometimes act as parent or guidance guardian guardian mm-hmm. exactly to because yeah i mean yes they they have to play tennis and work out but you know when we we are out of the the, the tennis site i mean we're in the normal world and um so yeah so um, I think that uh, not only for me it's an amazing experience, but also for the kids. And uh, we we try as much as possible that when we have a few like a day off or an afternoon off uh, to try to visit a little bit because it's uh, it's it's sad to to go in a nice city and you and cannot miss out visit. on all the culture and the things to visit. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. The only good thing when you don't have the time to visit is because you're far in the tournament. So it means that you've done pretty good and you're pretty much in semis or finals or winning the tournament. Right, right. But um, but yeah, no, I think that it's important for them to also take the time to you know relax and to uh, and to to visit. Yeah. Are they pretty well like? on the road you have to establish like rules and structure like i remember on hockey tournaments our coaches would do things like you know they tape the hotel doors so that if we open the door they would know that we've been out that sort of thing are these uh young athletes pretty focused and and um you know self-directed when it comes to those kind of things on the road yeah Yes, they are. I would say that uh, I think that the example that you just mentioned with the the tape on the door, this is maybe with the younger kids, like the under maybe under ten or around ten, eleven, twelve. But when as they get older, they 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 know what they they want and they know that it is very important. They have to go to bed early and they have a match. They understand all They're of focused. these. They are more focused. So so no, I don't do that much discipline. I mean, when when I go back to my room, I close my door. I need my time. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'm obviously I'm always there. If something happens, they have my number. They know my my room. They can come and knock if there's anything. But but no, I think it's important to to get them also responsible. And um, because at the end of the day, I mean, we, we tell them what to do. But if they don't do it, it's unfortunately, it's at their... It's to their detriment, to their loss. Exactly. Right, exactly. right. Yes. Now, if I call you the mom on the road, I guess the dad, so to speak, would be Rob Steckley, who's been working. I mean, I know you're both part of a team. Yes. But Rob's been working very closely with uh, with some of these players as well. In particular, I know Kayla Cross for many years now. 
I want to go back to when you and Rob first partnered up, you as the strength and conditioning coach and him as the tennis coach. Uh, Did you know Rob at all before the two of you started working together? And what was your impression of him before you met him? What did you think it was going to be like before you two actually started working together? Yeah, well, I mean, it was uh, it was a very nice discover, I would say, or discovery. Uh, Rob and I, we met for the first time this year in 2022. I mean, we already knew who we were, but we had never actually met or even worked together. So, so no, like I, I knew that he was a very good coach and I knew that he was very friendly as well. And um, so, yeah, so we, we went for the first time in a, in a tournament together in Turkey, in Antalya. And we were going to be together for three weeks. So uh, I was I was hoping for the best. But I mean, the the, the first time I saw him was uh, at uh, at dinner. And then we just, hey, hi, nice to meet you. And right from the first time, the first minute that we met, I was like, OK, yeah, I know that we're going to have it's a gonna good time. Click. It's going to It's going to click. Um, so, I mean, for three weeks, right from the, the get-go, we really, really got along. I think that we, we have some very similar vision. We think in a similar way. And our approach also is, is aligned. And, um, I mean, uh, I've been a lot on the court with him and li- listening to what he, he says to the player. And I really, really like what he says. And I really relate to that. And same for him when he comes in the gym or on the court and he sees me do, do fitness. I mean, it's the same. He's like, oh, that's great. And, you know, we also have some like always... mutual respect between Exact, you. exact. Right. But what's awesome with him is that the moment we're out of the court, I mean, he really, really knows. And I'm, I can, I, I want to say that myself as well, but he really, really knows when to be professional and when to be serious and when to have fun and joke around and laugh. And I think that the... Th- the, the the biggest thing that we have him and I is how much like we just laugh all the time right right and that's <laughs> so, important when you're on the road to not just you know work well with someone but in those moments where you're not on the court or in the yeah. gym be able to enjoy for sure being around and I think for the the young athletes as well to have a coach like Rob mm-hmm. is is so important because he works hard and he's yep. focused yeah but he also knows to be lighthearted and that these are you know again I say kids but you know, they're still growing up. It's still important they enjoy what they're doing and yep. enjoy the experiences. Exact, exact. I, I think it's so important to be able to laugh and to to joke around because tennis is like so serious and focused and um, that it's a, if you can have a coach like Rob, which I think it's, it's awesome, that can make you laugh and sometimes just loosen up. That's that, that's awesome. I spoke with him the other day and I asked him about meeting you for the first time and what he expected. And he said, well, I didn't realize just like how funny and how our sense of humor is kind of match up initially. But he said again, and he mentioned in Turkey, like when I met her, it was almost immediate. Like, hey, she understands me and my sense of humor and this is going to work really well. So um, that's fantastic, not just for both of you individually, but for the benefits that the athletes are getting from you two as well. I mean, I think Rob's one of the funniest guys I know. And also one of the busiest people I know in terms really? of he's got so many different, you know, mm-hmm. projects and hustles. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's not just a tennis guy, but with his creative mind, there's so much going on there as well. Yeah. No, I think that uh, him being with us at Tennis Canada is definitely a great addition. And I think the players are very lucky and to have him and it's same same for us as as coaches. And um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to to have another trip with him. So you're working on, you know, in the gym with the players a lot, the fitness. 
Uh, did they ever teach you any of the, the tennis stuff? Do you ever pick up a tennis racket or hit with Rob or hit with any of the girls? You know, what's uh, where's your tennis uh, skill level at this point? Well, definitely tennis is a passion for me. And I'm, I, I, I used to play tennis when I was younger. So every time I see them play, I always want to play. It's a... When I see uh, when I see them on the court, it's sometimes during warm up. I always ask sometimes, "Hey, can I join in for for mini tennis?" So yeah, I've 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 hit a couple times with the girls, uh, like I said, just in warm up because I know after that it's uh, they uh, I'm 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 able to rally with them. But the the moment you know there's uh, more like points or the, it gets more intense, unfortunately they lose me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, they they. they they are super nice and uh, they they know i love tennis they know i'm able to 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 hit uh, pretty well so so yeah it's it's uh, i hit a couple times and also with rob he uh, we hit together and with also with other coaches i mean it's nice between coaches i we all share the same passion and we pretty much we we have all played at some point in uh, in our life and uh, i mean no i don't consider i have the same level as the girls but uh, no, it's great to be able to share that with them. And I think that they like it also. They are always su su surprised. Oh, I didn't know you hit. Wow, you hit well. That's great. And I think it's, it's, it's a great example for them to, to see that I understand them. And I've been in their, in, in their shoes, not at the same level, but like I'm, I've been a player before. Right, and so you can apply the work that you do as well, specific to tennis players, knowing what kind of movements, exact. what kind of... Right. It definitely helps for sure. If as a for me as a fitness coach, it definitely helps because we're all talking the same language. We all have the same vocabulary, and I mean, we all like understand footwork and patterns and and strokes and stuff like that. So so for me, it's it's very it's very easy and for for them too. When did you start with Tennis Canada? You have to remind me. Was it 2018, 2019, no, or ça fait longtemps? It's been a long time been a longer time 2016 okay so i started so it's actually it's been six years uh in in august so i'm uh, in my seventh year with uh, tennis canada and uh every year i mean i enjoy it even more i i continue learning growing and i think that the team uh, in montreal is awesome uh we have such a great uh, dynamic and we really consider everybody like ourselves the coaching staff like family it's a uh, it's it's really really special it and it's very unique to uh to us in in montreal and we really value that we we you know have lunch coffee sometimes we go for dinner and um i think it's uh, it's important because we spend so much out so many hours together that um i mean obviously if i if 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 it wasn't for the team i think it uh it would be different right for sure. that definitely keeps you wanting to oh, continue when you know that you're yeah. you know not just working with colleagues but people who feel that close to i mean it's great to see that to hear that from you because that's how it appears from an outsider perspective you know when i see members of the squad you always seem to be getting along so well having laughs smiling and, and mm -hmm. just such positivity um, my first memories of you were from early 2019 the australian swing when you were working so closely with Sylvain and Bianca Andrescu at the time, of course. And you were kind of the coach there for, I feel like, one or two tournaments when Sylvain couldn't make it. And you were courtside with Bianca and giving some pep talks. And I think a lot of tennis fans in Canada kind of recognized you at the time and realized what an important role you were playing there, mm -hmm. not just as strength and conditioning, but you kind of assumed a greater responsibility. Um, when you look back on those times with Bianca from, uh, my goodness, that's almost four years ago now. 
it's been a while. You must look back uh, and have such positive memories from that time. For sure, for sure. I mean, when just like we were talking a little bit earlier, I mean, when you're on the road with your with your athletes, you have to 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 have m many roles. I mean, you're not just a fitness coach or you're not just a tennis coach. I mean, you 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 never know, but uh, you will be sometimes asked to to do many things that maybe you you never thought you would do. And um, and yeah, when I was uh, traveling with with uh, Bianca, I was sometimes, you know, more than obviously more than just a fitness coach. So, but yeah, so many great memories. I mean, it's uh, I was, uh, I think at that time I did I you know wasn't realizing like how how big it was and like how how big of an impact it was uh, in my life, but also well in Bianca's life. But I mean, it's uh, definitely I learned a lot and uh, I will always remember these uh, these years with her on tour. I've I've uh, definitely um, I've grown from this. And um, and yeah, I mean, if I if I could go back, I would do it again. And I mean, I think that season was probably maybe the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest season one of our players, Canadian players, has ever had in terms of where she started in 2019 and where she ended going to Indian Wells and winning, here in Toronto winning, the US Open, of course, the first singles Grand Slam in Canadian tennis history, and then the WTA Finals that year as well. You must feel, uh, I would imagine, an immense sense of pride for contributing and playing such a part in that historic season for Canadian tennis, really. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, hearing you say all of this, it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty and surreal. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, that's what happened, right? Yeah, exactly. No, but I mean, she's uh, she's just an amazing player, and I think that at that time she had, an, in my opinion, an amazing team. I think we all got along very well, and um, and I think we were just working very well with her. And she, you know, when you, it's so important to have a good entourage, and I think that at that time it was um, it was it was awesome. It was great, and. Uh, Uh, yeah, obviously, I'm I'm happy. I was I was part of of that group. I'm happy. I was part of uh, of this success. I always say it's a team success. I mean, without uh, each and every one of us, I think it's uh, wouldn't have been this way. But uh, but no, I think it's we all put a great effort but in the end the only person that was on the court uh, doing all of her magic was was Bianca so sure. no I will remember that 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 special year my my whole career it's incredible to me like here we are as we're recording here in Toronto for those listening we're at the Tevlin Challenger which is just working its way towards its completion and just before that 2019 season Bianca was here playing the Tevlin in October 2018 yep. and what a remarkable rise from playing a challenger event to end one season mm -hmm. to the way she finished the year after do you ever have the hopes or the plans to work more one-on-one -on -one with a player again at the professional level like what do you foresee your continued development mm -hmm. in your role with tennis canada I mean, tough question. tough question. I'm super happy working right now with Tennis Canada and working with the juniors. And and I love that I'm I'm also in some of my roles and some of my responsibilities when I'm on pro t pro tournaments. And when there there are Canadian players, I'm also in charge of I mean, if if they need uh, to work with them. So um, so so I like that I'm, you know, touching a little bit of everything and flexibility, working. flexibility. Exactly. Uh, would I work private or with only one player? Only time will will tell. I'm very open to, you know, anything. But right now I'm super happy doing what I'm doing and 
We'll see. Good Who answer. Knows? Good answer. That's the right answer. Um, for anyone from Tennis Canada listening, of course. But yeah, we all have goals and things we'd like to try out. And um, what is the rest of 22, 2022 looking like for you? Where do you go from here in Toronto to finish off the tennis season? I mean, part of you must be looking forward to the break and getting back home for the holidays, which are you know only like two months away now. But how do you plan on closing out this season? And when you look ahead at 2023, maybe it's too early. I don't know. But, you know, what kind of plans do you do you already know of for next year? Yes, it's rare that we know <laughs> in advance. Uh, but, yeah, no, for the next uh, the next few weeks, next few months, uh, I thought I was going to stay home and just uh, work with our players in Montreal because it's almost the off season coming. But I'm still going to be traveling. Uh, but no, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be in Mon after Toronto. I'm going to come back home for a couple of days and then I'm going to uh, be going uh, in Europe for a few tournaments with uh, some of our players and then coming back and we're going to be already in December and in December there's probably going to be some training camps maybe in some some places warm it never ends though does it, it? the tennis season ends. never finishes never ends and there's obviously tournaments every week if you want to play every week you can literally play every week um, but no the f for sure starting in December it's for us the off season or pre-season we can right. say so um, so yeah we're definitely going to try to go in warm places to Florida train Florida or something like that it's uh, it's uh, to be determined to be determined exactly and um, because uh, some of our junior players are going to play Australia they are going to go playing in the Melbourne for the Australian Open junior and um I'm pretty sure I'm going to be there also for a second year in a row. Well, good memories in, in Australia for you, right? Yeah, good yeah. memories, obviously, with uh, Bianca in 2019. But uh, no, 2022, I was there with juniors. And um, it's it's looking like 2023, I will also be, uh, be in Australia in January. So that's going to be my next uh, my next few, uh, few weeks. But obviously, I think Christmas and the holidays are going to be great to uh, a couple days it's not very long right but enjoy the, the short time the short <laughs> break right short break yeah, yeah. well listen uh, Virginie thank you for joining us uh, you know those youngsters in the program are so lucky to have you well, Tennis you Canada is so mm -hmm. lucky to have you and continued success and looking forward to seeing what you and the crew can do in 2023 well thank you it was a pleasure there you have it Mike's interview with Virginie Tremblay and I like the fact that she touched on you know when you're in one of these roles and you're traveling with players as part of their camp, you're so much more than just the fitness coach or just the head coach. I mean, you're seeing these players hour for hours on end every single day. I, I mean, for in, in a lot of cases, some of these coaches, you know, they're seeing their athletes more than they're seeing their families. Uh, so it's, it's so much tighter of a bond than we think of just, oh, I'm getting instructions on tactics and strategy or, or fitness. Yeah, it's the people you work the most closely with week in, week out. It's kind of like you and me, Ben. You are <laughs> someone I see more than my family yeah. and, and friends, and, and I'm certainly not complaining. But yeah, you develop a bond with the people that you're in touch with the most. And and for her and uh, Kayla Cross, Vicky Maboko, and a, and a host of other young women that she's helping along, what a great role model she is for them. And I know we've spoken to her several times now, both officially on the podcast and in passing mm -hmm. at tournaments and whatnot. And you can just tell the uh, the warmth and the, um, the the positive presence that she has, and uh, and for both her and Rob Steckley, who's uh, you know they're sort of like the the, the tennis version of mom and dad for these uh, teenagers on the road. I, I couldn't think of two better people to be guiding them through these years 
um, both as young athletes and, and also young individuals. Yeah, uh, she's going to be such a positive role model. And of course, she's she's heavily experienced. I mean, the six years of Tennis Canada, but um, also helping and working at the highest levels in the sport, obviously, alongside Bianca Andreescu for some of those big, big titles. And I mean, we've spoken a lot about just the unbelievable prospects so many of our young athletes have. So uh, we forget that the the crucial role that people like Virginie play behind the scenes in in their development I'm also so impressed with just the focus and the drive that these young athletes have, because Mm -hmm. while I never trained at a high level, I think back to, you know, the hockey tournaments I go to as a kid and gosh, we'd be up till all hours talking and and getting into trouble and and trying to get out of our, you know, escape the, the hotel rooms and not have our coaches hear us. Obviously it's so different when you're an athlete who knows the potential they have, who's been working towards this from such a young age, but I'm still so impressed with, just that focus and how Virginie said, like, she doesn't have to keep a close eye on the older ones on the road because they know what's at stake and they know what they're working towards. And so, uh, you know, I still think being a 16, 17, 18 year old athlete, um, incredible poison in maturity that we've seen. And, and we've spoken with, you know, many of these young uh, men and women and, and been impressed with how they carry themselves off the court as much as what we're seeing in their development on the court, too. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Uh, we should move on. One of our key points uh, for this episode uh, that we mentioned on Twitter, we're giving out some Canadian report cards for 2022. And uh, given that we just spoke with Virginie Tremblay, we can start on the women's side and, and talk about some of the players. I like the fact that I don't know your letter grades and you don't know mine. So this, this will be fun. And if we start just on the women's side and we can begin with... Uh, Virginie's former athlete in, in Bianca Andrescu. I'll let you take the lead. What is your grade uh, for Bianca this season? And how do you feel about her 2022 campaign? Hey, first of all, this is going to totally suck if we both just by coincidence have the same grades. That's going to mean <laughs> that in the future, we're going to have to reveal our report cards to each other before yeah. we, uh, we hit record. But uh, for Bianca Andrescu, um, and I just want to say to preface this, that I kind of ranked each player based on their performance related to our expectations for them mm-hmm. in 2022 and based on, you know, individual experience that they they went through. Because I, I feel like if you hold them all to the same standard, it's kind of not fair to have someone who's outside the top 100 compared to, a you know, Felix Ogiali, or Leila, Annie Fernandez in the yep. top 20. So just keep that in mind as we go through it. But for uh, Bianca Andrescu, I gave her a, uh, a B because I felt like it was really hard to start the year behind the eight ball for her. Um, missing out, uh, you know, by design, it was her plan to take a little longer to start her season in 2022 to take care of her mental health, which for sure, most important, you got to be ready. You got to be feeling like you're in a good place to put yourself through this kind of grind. So kudos to her for recognizing that uh, and, and and playing against a bunch of tough players when she came back. She wasn't getting easy draws. She was having tough marquee matchups early on in tournaments and I think she did show aspects of the top-level play that, that we know she can still get back to. Just needs to put it together more consistently, get that ranking up. Um, you know, she pushed Coco Goff in October, who was one of the, the best players yep. all year long. She beat Petra Kvitova. So I think there's a lot to look forward to, to her hitting the ground running in 2023. And uh, I got to say, I'll also give her an A for availability for us, because I know we spoke with her and you in particular several times on so always very gracious uh, to us at Matchpoint Canada 
Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely a, a for availability and our, our grades slightly differ, but they're very close. Uh, I was a little more generous in giving Bianca a B plus for her season, which, uh, you know, grading it from when she did return in May, obviously the abbreviated campaign, I felt that there were a lot of positive signs and understandably, I think we were all tempering our expectations because, you know, she basically missed, well, she missed all of 2020, essentially with injury 2021. I, I think mentally she's uh, admitted she was in a very bad place at the time and still winning some matches, but basically didn't want to put up a racket and put down a racket for a few months. So for her to come back post a 20 and 13 season, the highlight, of course, uh, to reach a WTA final uh, is terrific. She made the finals of, of the Bad Omberg Open, which was on grass. She played really well in Rome on clay. Uh, so we know her, her skills across all surfaces. And just the fact that she was incredibly competitive, I felt like in all of her losses. And I was looking back to her last three tournaments of the season. Her losses were Pagula, Goff, and Caroline Garcia, three of the eight qualified players for the end of year WTA finals. So losing to the, the very best. Uh, she had some good wins this season, beating Kasakina twice, great win over Cornet at the National Bank Open, really good win over Beatrice Haddad Maya at the US Open. So a lot of positive signs. And I liked that when I spoke to her to, ahead of the Billie Jean King Cup, she said she doesn't like that number 46 next to her name. Uh, she's she's really keen in, in pushing back up the rankings. And she said, give her six months. She thinks she can be back in the top 10. And and I'm inclined to believe her, honestly. Yeah, that number 46 doesn't look right to me either. And I think that's definitely going to go up in the new year. Uh, I'm also hoping none of these players are actually listening to any of our uh, report card trades. Because <laughs> what if we tick them off and they... Take it maybe out. Maybe we'll motivate don't come them. back on. You yeah. know? Well, maybe I hope so. It comes from a good place because yep. we're definitely big supporters of the program and the athletes. And uh, as much as you stay unbiased as you cover the sport, we've obviously got that edge of being, you know, Tennis Canada podcasters. And so what's good for them is also good for us and good for, you know, the, the growth of the sport in our country, too. So um, let's move forward to Layla Annie Fernandez. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll throw to you first here, but just to say, uh, highlight for me was the Roland Garros quarterfinals that truthfully I believe should have been a, a semifinal if not for the injuries she sustained there she continued her brilliant play in Mexico where she's really endeared herself to the fans down there over the years seems like she always plays so well there with the title in Monterey uh, Ben you go first what's your grade for Layla Annie this year yeah, my grade is a B minus, uh, and and you certainly highlighted the the best portion of the season, which came at the French Open, without a doubt. You know, wins over Anisimova and Benchic there, making the quarterfinals, and as you said, without that fractured foot, the way she was playing, I think she defeats Trevisan and me makes the semifinals. Uh, the title in Monterey was fantastic; some epic matches, especially that final against Osorio, winning that in three sets. Uh, I gave her definitely some bonus points for how strong she was at Billie Jean King Cup when she did play in qualifiers. She did lose to Benchich, of course, uh, when Canada was eliminated, but for the most part was, was excellent supporting uh, Team Canada. I felt like if you look at her season as a whole, there was a lot of win, then loss, win, then loss. It was sometimes 
a struggle for her to maintain momentum in tournaments. And I think the fact that she failed to reach any quarterfinals of any of the, any of the WTA 1000s is maybe something we're looking to in 2023 of getting deeper in those big events, because that didn't really happen. And also I, I slightly punish her for the grade in terms of she did struggle when she came back from the foot injury on the hard court swing. She didn't really post some of the results we're accustomed to. And because she can really back up that U S open final, we see her ranking fall outside of the top 40. It's hard when you come back and everyone else is at like peak season form. Yeah. Uh, and you've missed a couple of months, two and a half months with that kind of an injury, then coming back on a surface that's so unforgiving and and do you trust the foot? Do you trust the ankle? Do you feel like it might give? So all that, no doubt, was playing on her mind. And then speaking of mental hurdles and challenges, knowing that you're coming up to the defense of the biggest result you've ever had as a professional tennis player with that final in New York. And as, as much of a fighter as she is, that had to have been on her mind as well going in. Mm-hmm. And I think Layla Annie would be the first to admit that she wasn't happy with the way that her season went because she holds herself to such a high standard. I had the same grade as you, which was a B minus, but keeping in mind, she's 20 years of age only. Um, you know, she made over a million bucks in prize money, despite having those ups and downs and, and making a great deal of coin in her advertisements too. So talk about someone who's really setting herself up for the long run, setting her family up as well. Who've been with her all the way and made so many sacrifices. Um, so we got the same grade there. Uh, next up, Rebecca Marino and one of the feel good stories of the year, the, the story itself of Rebecca Marino is a plus in my mind, just based on, you know, how much time she took off the tour, all the challenges she's had to face to get back and, and make this push in her early thirties. Uh, I'll go first and then maybe, you know, we'll switch over to you here, but, uh, career high ranking was number 38. Now she's up to number 65, which is a big time improvement from the 144 she started. 2022 at she's got a great attitude she's always smiling and looking at the positive side of things um and i feel like she deserves an a for what she's been able to put together from start to finish over the last 11 12 months well i i did even one better than you i don't know if we, we are giving out a pluses but i have an a plus written next to rebecca marino you, you think about when she spoke to us even a couple of years ago i think having a goal of ever being able to return to the top 100 was was huge on her list and to get back inside the top 70 has been unbelievable the way she held up physically through the entire season she won 49 matches this year that's amazing third round of the u.s open was incredible she was lights out at the City Open where she made the quarterfinals. Clay, we know, is her weakest surface, yet she managed to qualify for Roland Garros. Earlier on in the season, she won an ITF uh, 60K. She also made a, a finals of an ITF as well and qualified for the Australian Open at the front end of the year. Of course, when her ranking was around that sort of 140 range, she wasn't getting into the main drop. It came through, won three matches to qualify for the Australian Open. She had wins over players like Heather Watson and Lee, Leila Fernandez she beat, Jasmine Polini, Petkovic, and uh, more recently, as the ter- the season wound down, going three sets with Caroline Garcia in Guadalajara, I thought that was one of her best performances all year. She lost the match, but 7-6 in the third against one of the hottest players uh, on the tour uh, tells you how amazing her season was. Uh, so, yeah, back to be inside the top 70. And, I mean, this sets her up so, so nicely for, for 2023, being in the main draws of, of all these big tournaments now. Yeah, and I wrote that down as well. No more qualies at the slams, at least not for the foreseeable future based on where her ranking is. What a world of difference 
to go in with that confidence, know you're going to be in there, get to prepare, not just for a little mini tournament, hoping you'll then make the, the main event, but knowing you're already in there. And again, you know, it's, it's different when you're a Federer, a Serena Williams, and you make multi-millions of dollars. But for the most part, professional tennis players don't see that kind of uh, financial success. And so for her to get that first round, second round, and as we saw this year, third round kind of main draw prize money at a slam is so huge so rewarding for everything she's put in and it couldn't happen to a nicer person so very excited to see how this journey continues for rebecca marino but even just up to now what a what a wonderful story it's been yeah, uh, no question. We will also mention Gabby Dabrowski as we wrap our report cards on the women's side. Gabby Dabrowski, I will let you take the lead, but I'll first give you my grade for Gabby, which is an A-, and she had three titles on the season five finals and quarterfinals of the U.S. Open. I went with a B plus because the slam results to me weren't there. Yeah, And even though she won titles and she made finals – Masters, uh, sorry, uh, WT 1000 win in Madrid with uh, Juliana Olmos. Um, to me, she's a top 10 doubles player who should be having those deep runs at the slams. And it just didn't translate um, in terms of, you know, making it to the finals of, of one of the four majors. So um, I cap it at a B plus. I feel like if you're that level of player, um, my expectation for her is she's going to have a, a deeper run at, at one or more of the majors. Um, and ain't nothing wrong with a B plus and she's been our most consistent female player the last uh, couple of years in terms of the one that you can anticipate to have very strong results. But, um, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. I mean, I gave her an A minus and that was a lot based on the strength of winning Madrid. I, I think getting that WTA 1000 title, I know Madrid had been a goal of hers as well because she had lost two prior finals there. So getting that big of a title there on clay with almost, I know meant a lot to her. Uh, and the fact that, of course, she won three titles in the season. She's number seven in the world. At one point, she touched number four in the world in doubles this year. So those are incredible positives. And yeah, basically where not, I knocked her back from an A to an A minus was the the lack of slam results. So we'll see if they can come in 2023. I I assume she's still going to play with Juliana almost, although Luisa Stefani did return from injury. They paired up. Uh, and and actually won a title as well uh, this past year. So she does have options. Uh, great season outside of the slams. And we'll see if we get more uh, from, from the four majors in, in 2023 from Gabby. Now I'm feeling bad about my B+. I'm not going to change it. <laughs> I'm sticking with it, but I'm feeling a little bit like, uh, you're coming across as now the nice guy a little bit. So let's let's see Sorry. if we switch over to the... Uh, Obviously, there's there's plenty of other um, you know Canadian women that that played on the tour this year, but we're kind of keeping it to the uh, you know the bigger names for for uh, the accomplishments this past year. But we are super excited to see what Jeannie Bouchard, Carol Zhao. Uh, I'd love to see Francoise Abanda back with a little yeah. bit more regularity. I mean, there are a lot of names, not to mention the the young up and comers. But switching over to the men, and there's no one else we could start with, obviously, than Felix Auger, Aliassime. 60 matches won. My goodness, that's incredible. And is that not a Canadian uh, Canadian record? First time a Canadian has, has done that? Or is that's that definitely, be, right? a, that's yeah. definitely a Canadian high, yep. All the titles, four titles, that incredible stretch in uh, the post-US Open portion of the season with three in a row. And for someone who was labeled, uh, you know, unable to be a closer when it came to ATP finals, having that, what was it, 0-8 record yep. uh, prior to this, 
He's sure making up for it real quick. Uh, career high number six in the rankings, proving he undoubtedly belongs in that top 10. He's not just a fringe guy on the top 10. He's right in there. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on with uh, some of the accomplishments here, but for me, I'll just get to my ranking and then let you uh, speak to him as well. It's an A-plus for Felix this year. A-plus. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm actually going to give him an A and not an A-plus. Uh, and... You know, you listed off all the unbelievable accolades. We should mention just like how strong he was in international play as well. Uh, you know, outside of winning the four titles, the three in a row, the 16 consecutive matches, which was phenomenal. Uh, he really carried the load for Canada and Davis Cup in singles um, with their backs against the wall, always delivering a big singles win, big doubles wins alongside Vashik. He was the anchor. Uh, same with ATP Cup. He was phenomenal there. Uh, Rotterdam was a big break through I think for him in February getting that first title uh of his career defeating Stefano Tsitsipas there Australian Open quarterfinals was great had a match point against Dino Medvedev there the only reason I didn't go a plus is basically slams and two of them and the U.S. Open uh the U.S. Open was a a letdown uh without a doubt losing second round there to Jack Draper well, he was saving good... it for the later part of the season, you know, to go on that crazy tear. He knew. That's he true. And knew. look, if that if that motivated him to get back to even more work, I know he's such a hard worker already, and, and put together the fall season that he had, that's fantastic. But given the weight we put on slams, that's where I just want to see more. So second round U.S. Open. And then Wimbledon, where he's been phenomenal in the past to lose first round. I know he got a brutal draw there to, to face a, a serving volleyer like Maxime Cresti, who looks like a throwback grass court player if you watch him that is a really tough first round draw but still losing first round of Wimbledon and one thing I others I also circled um which he has to do better at the sunshine double for him Indian Wills and Miami he went out first round both of those big big events two marquee hard court events so there were a couple spots in the season as unbelievable as the year it was where he struggled uh so uh as great as a year as it was for Felix, he can do even more in my estimation. Yeah, I agree as well. I think I'm 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 ranking him based on the fact he's 22 years old still. Whereas with Gabby, I was a little harsher because she's been an established top 10 presence for a while, and Felix is really yeah. just on the cut, like on the rise, you know, on the ascent here for the first time into that echelon of the sport. I also think maybe I gave the plus in there, the A plus in there, because. He's not just kicking butt on the court, but off the court, charity work, totally. foundation. I mean, how does he start his off season? He's playing with kids in Togo and, uh, you know, increasing uh, accessibility to sport and just raising awareness and just being an all around great human being. So he's uh, someone you want your kids to look up to. I have nothing but uh, the highest praise for this guy off the court and, um, and uh, and I think the slam results, I think we both know the slam results are going to be coming. Yeah, uh, I I completely agree. To me, even also the two other slams were great. Australian Open quarterfinals, because you look at the opponents he lost to right at the Aussie Open quarterfinals to Medvedev. French Open round of 16 going five sets with Rafael Nadal, which we, of course, highlighted at the time. He gave Nadal his hardest match at Roland Garros. We'll, we'll shift over to Denis Shapovalov, which is probably, unfortunately, going to be a little bit more negative. I imagine. I don't know what your letter grade is. I will start. 
I gave we Dennis say more a, constructive. We say more constructive. More <laughs> constructive. That's that's a, a much kinder word. <laughs> I, I gave him a C minus. Uh Dennis finished his season 34 and 26 overall, uh 18th in the world. There are some positives sprinkled in. The Australian Open was certainly one of them, making this the quarterfinals there and pushing Rafael Nadal to five sets. Actually, it almost felt at times like he probably should have beaten him as Rafa seemed to be wearing physically towards the end of that match. Gets the ATP Cup title playing alongside Felix. Looked great there. Um, then it was just a really catastrophic mid-stretch of the season, basically from Roland Garros all the way to the U.S. Open. It was it a was- write-off. Yeah, it was it was a disaster. Uh, he had a one and nine stretch of tennis. He lost first round at Roland Garros to Holger Rune, who is now a top 10 player. He lost second round at Wimbledon to Brandon Nakashima. Just some of the losses in between Oscar Ott, Ilya Ivashka, Benjamin Bonzi, JJ Wolf, uh, Tommy Paul, Alex Dimenauer. Those are good players. But these are guys we feel like Dennis should be beating uh, with regularity. And, and he's not. The end of the season, he salvaged it, though. He made the finals of Vienna. I thought that was probably his best ATP tournament of the year. Made the finals in Korea, semifinals in Japan, and then, of course, the Davis Cup title. But uh, look, I think first two months of the season, last two months of the season, plenty of positives. But what was in between is the big problem. Yeah, I went C-plus for Dennis. And to me, this year... Felix went one way and Dennis kind of went the other in terms of do they belong in the top 10 because both were right floating around that area, I mm-hmm. believe, more so at the start of the season. And and Felix went for it and, and you know, salvaged his season, which also wasn't as strong as what he would have wanted in terms of what he did in the fall. And, and Dennis still, it's those losses to players that I feel like he's got no business losing to. It's wanting to see more progress on the mental composure in match play and not allowing himself to get distracted there's just there's not a good look and he hasn't found a way to sort of do away with that sort of immaturity I guess for for lack of a better term he's got all the potential all the talent one of the most exciting players out there for sure and Mm -hmm. I forget who it was we spoke to earlier this year um, who said like this is what you might just get with Dennis is you're going to have really high highs and really low lows that make you scratch your head um, but I, I think um, there's a long way to go still for Dennis. That being said, he's still inside the top 20. I think a lot of people would look at his season and say, uh, yeah, sign me up for that. I'd take that season if I was a pro tennis player. Yeah, uh, that that's certainly true. And I'll highlight, I, I, th- I think there were some great moments of him playing awesome tennis. Even I thought he played well at the U.S. Open and lost in the third round to Andre Rublev, but they played an incredible five-set match. The level of tennis was amazing. Like, if we see Dennis produce that kind of level, he is... I, I don't want to call him a top 10 player, but he's a top 10 talent without a doubt. Sure. Uh, but, you know, just too many inconsistencies on the year. We'll go over to Vashik Pospisil, uh, who is back inside the top 100. I'll, and a Davis Cup champion, which might be the biggest title of his individual career, to be honest. Maybe outside of Wimbledon, of course. Uh, but, Mike, I'll let you give your letter grade for Vashik first. Yeah, we'd have to ask him, eh, how that Davis Cup title feels compared to that Wimbledon doubles title with Jack Sock. Um, Vashik inside the top 100 uh, going down and doing the dirty work at the challenger level with which, uh, which a lot of players are too too proud to do. You know, they won't swallow their pride and go do that even if they need to. I got a B plus for Vashik. 
Um, maybe should have gone even a minus just for the Davis cup heroics. He was so clutch in doubles. And again, just such a, a great guy, such a nice guy. We spoke to him at least two or three times. I feel like over Twice, the course yep. of the year, he always makes time. He's never in a rush. Uh, you know, him and Milos did so much for the sport on the men's side in Canada. And, uh, and I think there's a lot more, you know, um, room for him to continue to grow in his early thirties. Uh, I think if he played more doubles, he could be a real impactful doubles players, uh, player on the ATP. And I think in singles, he could still get back into that, you know, 50, 60 kind of range. Yeah, uh, no, I, I certainly agree. We actually have the same grade and I did consider a minus. I went with B plus. He won uh, the Drummondville Challenger recently. He had another Challenger title in France, two other Challenger finals. Quarterfinals of Tel Aviv was a nice performance. Uh, quarterfinals of the Dallas Open was also nice. The reason I just didn't put him to a minus was basically he wasn't sinking his teeth into ATP draws frequently enough. I mean, we know he went down and played the challenger circuit with some success, uh, but especially the front end of the season, didn't play the Australian open. He lost in first round of Wimbledon qualifying, which I, I think that's kind of a big tournament for him. So he didn't qualify there. Uh, so now that he is back inside the top 100, my hope for him in 2023 is he's of course, basically exclusively playing ATP tournaments now, not at the challenger level and seeing if he's notching a couple wins there, making runs to kind of round of 16. And as you said, yeah, maybe getting back inside like top 60, I think would be, would be great for, for, Vashik. I want to close quickly and give an honorable mention A plus to Gabriel Diallo, who won two challengers. And he also announced recently he's foregoing his final season at the University of Kentucky and he's uh committing as a full-time pro, which is pretty exciting news for for Gabriel Diallo. Especially considering he's floating what just outside the top two hundred already, yep. given very limited, you know. So just think of what he can do now committing to this this fully. So you know, and to go back, I mean, that kind of brings to a wrap our report card grade. So, you know, listeners, please feel free to engage with us. Let us know. Did we get it right? Were we way off base? You know, what did you have for our men and uh, and women this year, 2022, on the ATP and, and WTA Tour? And, uh, you know, so much to look forward to in 2023. We're in what, you know, to kind of bring it full circle, full, full circle back to our guest, Virginie Tremblay. I like what she said, um, you know, sort of at the closing of our interview, which is, you know, now it's time for the off season slash preseason because it's yeah. both. It's kind of the same thing, right? There is no off season in tennis. It's always going. Players are already getting prepared for for what's coming next, and and so much for our players and our Canadian tennis fans to to look forward to. I think. Yeah, exactly. I apologize, listeners. I said we'd get to uh, awards too for the WT. TA and ATP will have to do that on our next episode announce some winners and give us uh, our picks as well but thank you so much you've been listening to Matchpoint Canada we will talk to you next time <laughs>